Hello. Hello. Welcome to Tea in a Chat. With Harry and Zara. Pat. Harry and Zara. And a guest today. And a guest. We have Daniel Johnson with us today. Daniel Johnson, <laughs> can you tell us if anyone have, has ever called you Pat before in your life? <laughs> Pat, did you say? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Pat. Like Postman Pat. Not, not as far as I'm aware, no. Damn not, it. I don't believe so. One day we're going to get a Pat on the show the, and then the, it's going to make sense. There's no context to this. The, the reason for this is that from the very start of us recording, probably the very first episode. It was. You just wanted the rhyme, didn't you? You wanted it. Tea in a chat. chat with Harry and Pat. Yeah, but we, we there's no one. But Pat <laughs> is not. I don't know a Pat. You don't know a Pat, although you do insist. Postman Pat. But yeah. <laughs> but the one thing I can say, and uh, you'll cut this out because it's too early to talk about something irrelevant. But I, I got married a couple of weeks ago, and the first argument I had with my wife, uh, we was on uh, a FaceTime call with her little niece, who's three, and they were singing Postman Pat. And black and white cat singing the theme tune and i was singing well, i was singing cat and hannah was singing cat and i was like it's not a cat he's like yes it is i said no he has a cat and that was like our first uh first marital <laughs> argument that's so that's, funny that's brilliant that's brilliant oh my god <laughs> <laughs> who won the argument uh, i got google to confirm i was correct ah, so. there we go there you go. That's so funny. That's uh, Postman <laughs> Pat was a favourite of mine, but he is in no way involved in this podcast. But what I'm saying is, we'll need to get someone on the podcast called Pat, so then it at least makes sense yeah. for one episode. Well, one of the things your dad said was that we get a dog and call it Pat. And Pat the dog. That's so funny. You should. Right. Let's swiftly moving on from our regular introduction. <laughs> um, yes, we have Daniel with us today. So. If, oh, yeah, sorry. Let's talk about tea. <laughs> do you have a drink with you, Daniel? I do have a cup of tea with me, yes. What, kind of, what kind of tea is it? Because I can be a bit... I have all sorts of different teas. Yorkshire, Yorkshire tea bags. Yorkshire tea bags. And, uh, yeah, I'm a bit intolerant to dairy, so it's almond milk, unfortunately, not real milk. That's, um, that's, yeah. But that's did good. you put the milk in first or last? Oh, so I did put it in last, and that's why I tend to do out of laziness. But if I really had the kind of time and energy to do tea properly, I would brew the tea separately. I would put the milk in a mug and then pour the tea in. Uh, but, yeah, I don't have to... Um, that answer's made Zara very happy. Yeah, I'm a milk first oh, really? girl, and everyone's like, no! Yeah, often in the minority in that, aren't you? So that's, that's the one no, I think. I think that's the right way. It's just... <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm all for the alternate alternative milks. Mm. I love an oat milk in a coffee, personally. What have you got, Zara? You've got just an English breakfast. Just an English breakfast. Normal milk. Tetley, Tetley, Tetley tea, tea bags. And I've got Earl Grey. I've got an Earl Grey. Sure but in. I'm not sure about Tetley, but Ooh. I won't judge. Well, I'm well, not sure about Yorkshire. So. <laughs> well, I've got Earl Grey. How do we feel about that? Boo. <laughs> yeah, so now we'll swiftly move on to, to the actual uh, you know, podcast itself. So, Daniel, just for the benefit of people listening, if you just sort of introduce who you are, tell us what you do, and maybe how you got into doing what you do. Cool. Um, I'm Dan. Uh, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a, I've always used the phrase, like, writer-director, but I've also 
produced everything I've made, I edit mm-hmm. uh, and all that stuff. So I'm a bit of a one-man band in a lot of ways. Um, I started out making a lot of short films. Um, I've written some a lot of scripts. Um, and then at some point when I was making short films, a lot of actors that I worked with, they would do a short film with me and I'd finish it the next week. Um, but they would work with another director who would take like two years to make a short film. Mm-hmm. Um, so what started to happen was actors would start saying, oh, can, I really need a, a show I can play a doctor or I really need a comedy scene. Can you do something for me? And I started just helping friends out by doing creating showreel scenes, um, which in this day and age sounds like a very common, obvious thing. But when I started doing it, there wasn't really... The showreel from scratch thing didn't, I can't say it didn't exist, but it wasn't really a, a major thing. There was this idea that showreels had to be work you'd done from TV, mm. or if people were making showreels, they were stealing scenes from wherever they just watched on TV that week, whereas I started doing original content. Um, so that's, yeah, that's the sort of showreel stuff I did. And I've always done, yeah, various types of short form content be it short films recently it's been uh comedy sketches on tiktok and things like that so yeah i dare i say i'm starting to use the phrase content creator i'm not sure how i feel about it but i i have used it a couple of times recently well i suppose in some regard it's definitely you're putting content out there that is your own and Mm -hmm. people are enjoying it aren't they so you know there you go i suppose what the what is the definition of content creator i don't know Never really thought about it. Someone who creates content. Right, yeah. Technically, we all are in some way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you guys put a podcast out is content creation. Someone yeah. filming themselves dancing in the street is content creation. I don't know what it is anymore. Yeah, open to interpretation. Fluid. Quite like that. Quite Definitely. like that. Okay, so within what you've just said, do you have like a, a favourite, maybe like a favourite thing that... You, within what you do or elements of stuff that you enjoy the most or is it all just one big like wow you know? no I, I do have a favorite but i mean I, I love the writing i think that mm. that's probably my biggest strength um i've always like with showroom clients they're always saying like how did you come up with that how did you write so many of those uh, and that's the thing that is i think naturally Sorry, it's something in my throat. My creativity leads me to find the writing quite pleasurable. Um, I like working with actors, being with actors on set as well. Um, that feels the most creative. The, the producing of it, the having to, like, say, be here at this time and I need to get this location, all of that, I could happily never do that again. Mm. Um, and the editing can be a pain, although it's also... Oh, the creativity, but yeah, the editing and the producing, not so much, but the writing side of it and working with actors, I enjoy a lot. I like that. I like that. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? Because I think I think within all different, like all factions of artistry, there's definitely points of, you know, the process, whatever that may be, where people are like up and down with the feeling. Of yeah. It. It's definitely, and I think that changes as well, doesn't it? One day something might be really exciting, and then another day, maybe not so much. Mm. You know. But yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, do you have any like 
thoughts mm, on... I don't know that one. Oh, my goodness. Well, she, you're not invited. <laughs> the next guy, is that Pat? Yeah, she's... Yeah, she didn't know the answer to the question, but I never finished asking it. That's a new one. We've not had a, her pipe up before. I oh, forgot she was even there. That's funny. My question for you, Dan, was... For me? Okay. For you. Um, is there... I feel like we've maybe had this conversation before, briefly in the past, but do you have any like thoughts on the industry or a certain faction of you know the performing world at the moment because i think it's changing a lot isn't it i feel like we mm. had a conversation about this a little while ago um when i might have been working with you on something but do you have any thoughts on the current climate i mean there's obviously a lot going on i guess at the moment yeah i mean um i think i've good question mm. i think a lot is changing i think a lot has changed since covid yeah. um even within the little world of show reels that I've done, I think a lot is changing there. And also that even this talk of like content creation, I, I genuinely now, um, for an actor, you know, an actor you see all the time, people get discovered from they start doing their own comedy sketches on, on uh, you know, TikTok and stuff and they get discovered. And I'm not saying everyone should do that, but you can't ignore the fact that I mean, here's the thing, Harry, right? I could make a showreel for you as an actor. Yeah. And the audience, the audience for a showreel, if we're honest, is a handful of casting directors mm -hmm. and a handful of maybe agents, a few directors. It could be 10 people, right? Yeah. It's important. They need to have that product, but that's the audience. But we could do a comedy sketch that's relatable, that goes on TikTok, and it could be seen by 10 million people. Mm. And you could have a casting director see you one day and say, I saw you on that thing. Um, so the industry is changing and I'm, I would hesitate to come to any kind of um, conclusions from what's going on because I think it's, it's such a mess. But I, I know for me personally, I have gifted from thinking that I need to have this writer director career you know, like mm. all the heroes I had back in the day, that they write a movie, then they do all that. And now I'm like, the content creation, like coming out of ideas and doing them quickly and low budget, maybe that's not, maybe there's, the industry has room for that and that that is part of the dynamic now. Um, because I do think people are watching things in so many different ways and mm. I think it's snobbish to, to think that, movies and tv shows are on a higher plane than something that someone's watching on their phone mm -hmm. so that's a long rambling answer but yeah i think everything's changing and i think our job as creatives is to embrace it because it's how people are consuming content and it's it's all changing every day yeah it's funny i was watching a video this morning about sort of social media within the performing arts world now and how you can go in for a job like in the West End or whatever and you can be paired up with someone you've got the same show reel the same vocal reel the same everything like on paper you you both could do the job but one's got 10,000 followers and one's got 200 they're they're going to pick this one and this has become such a mm. sort of a stepping stone into jobs now in a way I mean don't get me wrong you still have to be able to same dance act whatever you're doing but it's like there's so many more elements to that it's not just having a good show reel and 
a good agent and going in and getting a job, you know? Yeah, I guess there's, there's so many different tools you kind of have to have, not have to have, but the more tools you have in the bag, the more adaptable you are. And that was the kind of word that kept coming to the forefront of my mind when you were saying what you were just saying, Dan, is that to have the flexibility and the adaptability to move and shift with things. A bit like, you know, from when you first started doing what you were doing, you've adapted and moved and become, you know, created what you have now, which I'm sure back in the day you wouldn't have thought that it would have perhaps ended up in the direction it did. I mean, yeah, I, I was putting short films on my website before YouTube existed. This is how old I am. So, like, <laughs> I would have a short film that you had to go on my website, you had to click download, and you had to wait, like, three hours to get the short <laughs> film. By the time it downloaded, you'd be like, this is the worst short film I've ever seen. Like, but this is, like, this is what I was doing. But now, you know, all these progressions in how video is being streamed the, the sort of tiktokification of everything mm-hmm. like yeah i've just sort of tried to adapt with it normally with some resistance but then like this whole comedy sketch thing i've been doing i, I literally sort of realized myself like a bit of a like light bulb moment of like oh this actually suits me and i can do this and if i let go of let go of thinking i have to be making uh, here's what it is. I realized if I made a short film that's a 10 minute film and put it on YouTube, it, it might just, it might get 200 views. If it's really good, it might get 400 views. Like it doesn't always, people don't want to sit there and watch a short film on YouTube. That's not the right place for it. Yeah. And it just made me realize the strength of doing things in these different ways. Um, yeah, I've lost my train of thought, but. Yeah, it's all changing. I think, yeah, it's funny. It makes me think of, I know, like, before we go to bed, we kind of have a bit of a routine. I think this sort of shows, how many, there's three years between us, Mm. and we have a bit of a routine where I will sit and watch videos on YouTube, (laughs) and you watch loads of videos on TikTok. Mm. And I think it it kind of... Shows that you're old. Yeah, and maybe I need to catch up with with TikTok a bit more. But, yeah, I think... To have the adaptability and to be able to embrace that new stuff is very important. I think uh, following on from the stuff, tell us more about your uh, TikTok stuff, just for those who don't know what it what it is and sort of how you go about that. Yeah, I um, a couple of years back now, I kind of reluctantly got TikTok and I put a few things on there and no one really watched them and I didn't really know what it was. And then I, I actually had a showreel scene that was, it was quite funny and it was football related. And I thought this might connect with people. And I put it, I just put it on TikTok in the sort of vertical edited style. Mm. And it got 130,000 views over a few days. And I was like, wow, this is, this is a lot of people for a, for a showreel scene. Um, and I put some other bits and pieces up and they didn't, really get the same kind of views but they still got you know a lot of views like 10,000 8,000 20,000 still a lot of people um so I just started I thought oh, there could be something in this and I put a few other it, it seemed to be the football related things that connected mm. and then I started more purposefully making some comedy sketches on that topic and 
for whatever reason, it, it really connected with people and the stuff, you know, all the skills that I'd had from showreels, like writing short things, directing actors, sort of natural kind of performances. It just really suited that style. And it blew up. Like some videos had five, six million views and I started, you know, talking about follower counts and stuff. I started mm. getting thousands of people following and comments of people saying, oh, I love these characters. Can we have more of this character, more of that character? And it was really for the first time that I had a sense of really having an audience and having people that cared about what I was creating. Now, it's not earned me any money. It's not been a financial thing, but it's um, it's had interest. I've had meetings from it that haven't yet led to anything, but I feel like it's finding an audience mm. um, and getting people that care about the work. So, yeah, it's just been a great way of of connecting with people, you know? This is kind of not related, but I love on your videos when people comment and they clearly don't understand it. It's like actors acting things out. Like when you did the ref one and everyone was like, don't think he's a real ref. <laughs> exactly, so yeah. People, but this is the thing, like they're reaching all around the world, mm. people of many different cultures and, you know, they're just on their phone and then it flicks up in front of them. And I guess for people who don't really understand the language of film and tv i guess if if they see something especially if it's like documentary style mm. um yeah. even though everyone's perfectly framed and the dialogue is very rhythmic and clearly <laughs> in my mind like written by someone um yeah people don't always realize it but um that's part of the fun you know so mm. yeah I think that probably also is down to the quality of the work as well, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like definitely. It's a, of a standard, so yeah. Uh, it's, it, it is, though, entertaining, some of the stuff that you do see. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think that's Could really... I just one, yeah, one thought, sorry, you want me to move on, but oh. I just want to remember the thing we've got skipped past was, sorry, you said something about follower counts and how people now yeah. will get a job. Um, and I, it's a thing that I have so many thoughts on because... On the one hand, it's unfair in the sense if you're like, well, why should a celebrity get? Why, if, yeah. if someone's got 500,000 followers, someone's got 200, why is that fair? Yeah. And I think that's a good question. But the other side of it is, and I'm seeing this more now as someone who's created some content and got a bit of a following, like that following is proof that you've done something that has meant something to people and it's there is an element that it shows that you know what you're doing. Now, maybe not if you're just sort of mm. a good-looking person who puts a certain type of image that gets you 100,000 followers. Yeah. That doesn't mean you can act. But if someone has done some really good projects that have meant something to audiences and they've got a following because of that, that's evidence that they know how to do their job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I definitely. Think yeah, it can signal good things. And like, you know, like when you start yeah. a podcast or, a, you know, a school, like naturally you want to build the followers up because it's another indicator of, of growth, you know? But, yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. I think it, what it makes me think of, to be fair, is I think probably more me. When we talk about the use of social media and stuff like that, for example, I think 
we often reference it depending on the topic of our podcasts in a generally a negative light would you say i think well it's, i think i do i think my, my what i'm thinking is when we've been doing podcasts in referencing things like uh, when you're comparing yourself to others yeah um but i think there's actually there's so many positive benefits to it as well and i think daniel you're a good example mm. of 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 that but also within that you know like you said right at the beginning of your tiktok journey like experimenting and like oh that works oh that doesn't work and finding that that pathway yeah and i think that's that's important to recognize that because i think social media has a lot of different stigmas but it's a tool i guess at the end of the day and Mm. you can use it in the right way and it can help propel and you know enhance part of your journey whatever that may be and i think that's important to recognize yeah Um, definitely yeah um i was going to ask you i think i find everything you say and everything that i see of yours online i think this is one of the reasons i was drawn to you before we actually met um because i really feel that there's you encourage creativity which i absolutely love i think for me, I probably discovered stuff of yours um, when I was probably in a bit of a creative slump. Um, and I think you, I don't know if this is a question <laughs> I'm sort of sharing. I feel some of the stuff that you put out there for me really sort of normalise the fact that it's it's normal to feel ups and downs within your creative work and mm. And lifestyle whatever that may be um, and I think it's oh, I've lost my train of thought now because I'm thinking of <laughs> these moments. pardon I said I'm, I'm enjoying wherever you're going so keep going like you know yeah, I so. just I, I think maybe the question is do you have anything you would like to share or advise if that's the right word on what helps you or what's benefited you in those moments of like you might have a script to write or whatever it may be and you're struggling to find that creative fire you Mm. know do you have anything yeah yeah I think well first of all I think that what I've always been comfortable with is knowing that a lot of what I do will be bad you know, and to be genuinely comfortable with that. And I look at every single filmmaker I've ever loved or writer or show, they might have the best episodes ever, but they'll also have an episode that's the worst thing you've ever seen. So for me, it's like letting go of um, the need for it to be amazing all the time. Because Mm -hmm. to be truly creative, you have to take a risk. Like... And it sounds obvious, but if you're not taking a risk, you're playing it safe. You know, if you're doing a comedy sketch and you're not willing to make a joke that you're not quite sure if it's appropriate or if you're doing something dramatic and you you share a little feeling that is personal to you, unless you really lean into it and do it, you're not taking a risk. So... For me, and sorry to keep coming back to the TikTok thing, but it's been quite a relevant thing for me recently. But I put out a sketch yesterday about, I've been, within these football sketches, I've been doing these sketches about a team 
a small team in West Virginia, um, but the Marshall University have a what they call soccer team. And I've been doing these sketches about them. The first one went viral, and all of them since have pretty much flopped. But I'm still making them because it's funny to me, and the actors enjoy it. And when I released it yesterday, I said to the actors in a little WhatsApp group, I said, this one's going to flop. And it, it has flopped based on the numbers. However, three players from that Marshall team, three or four players, commented on the post saying, this is brilliant, this is great. And for me, like, that is a success mm. of its own kind. It might be a flop because the wider audience doesn't care, but three people linked to that thing really enjoyed it. And, I, I, yeah, I guess for me it's like, you just have to be willing to not be precious about it. Um, and yeah, overall for me, I, I'm at my best when I just have an idea that amuses me and intrigues me and makes me start writing. And I'm at my worst when my ego suddenly thinks I'm really good at this. This is going to be, this is, this is good. This is really good. I'm going to, this, mm. whenever I'm like that and it happens to all of us, Mm-hmm. the work's awful because none of us are that good. Do you know what I mean? And there's always a... Re- but when I'm yeah, genuinely just allow myself to be carried by an idea, that's where the magic is, you know? So for me, it's always yeah. trying to... trying to stay connected to that playful mm-hmm. side of things. And and naturally, like, the, when you work too hard or you're too work-obsessed you lose track of that. Um, So I'm always trying to find a balance between trying to let go of work, trying to live life. And yeah, sorry, I'm rambling away. I hope this is somewhat relevant. I think it's so interesting because I think it's stuff that people need to hear. Like I said, you know, a minute ago, I I think hearing this now, I still feel like I need to hear it. And I think Mm. sometimes you need to sort of, I guess in any walk of life, people can sort of feel perhaps maybe alone in yeah. in different struggles but I think the reality is everyone's going through their own versions of stuff and within the creative world I think what you've said is so important and it's such an attribute to yeah. have that skill to be able to be like you know what I'm putting this out there because it's something I care about whatever it may be and being able to like say let go of that ego and stuff mm. and I think that's that's such a such a skill and such a good thing to have and to implement. I think something I always say to you as well, especially around creating your music and whatever else, yeah. is that it's not really your job to decide if or think about if people are going to like it. That's not all you can do mm-hmm. is make your art, make your whatever it is to the best of your ability that feels good for you, and that's going to find the right people if it's meant to find the right people. If you're trying to, if you're making it for someone else and you're making it to be like. I want to get views, I want this person to like it, I want blah, blah, blah. It's it's not genuine, it's not right, and it's not going to bring in the right energy to you. Um, I feel like you just need to be creative for creative sake and do it to your best authentic self, and that's going to come out with the best outcome in the end. Yeah, I think it's so important. It's so important. I think as well, like... And Harry, you'll know, like, as a musician, like, when you think about your favourite bands or singers, like, they might have the hits, 
that the wider public love the most mm-hmm. but there'll be like some b-side or some unreleased track that was only performed once that like the real fans that's their favorite thing about that artist but now if that artist put that track on tiktok and it only got 100 views they might think it's terrible whereas you know some of my favorite songs of all time are sitting on youtube with only 2000 views over 20 years or something yeah. so yeah Different people connect to different things. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's the other thing as well. It's something we've said before is that artists, it's so interpretive. It's, it's one of the things I uh, definitely used to talk a lot about when I was graduating is I used to really like ponder over the fact that how can we be judged or, you know, scored, if you like, whatever the process is, on our level of artistry because it's so interpretive Mm. you know one examiner or whatever may really appreciate what you're doing whereas somebody else might not I mean I guess within that there'll definitely be boxes that need to be ticked and stuff but I my main premise is like but this is art and it's these this group of people whether it's a a play or whatever that's been done before this is the first time this group of people are doing it in this way and how can you judge that yeah as do you know what I mean um, I remember when I was training, we in our last year, we were doing it for a degree and you had a choice of either either writing like a really big dissertation and that being your whole, like you got marked on your dissertation and that was it, or you could write a smaller dissertation and then like a 20 minute dance piece. And all, like no one in my year except me did the dance piece because all the teachers that were teaching us that part of the course were like, it's too subjective it's too like if if you write stuff down in a dissertation it's easy to mark it's black and white whether it makes sense it doesn't make sense it's easier whereas if you put a dance piece out there and the the whoever looks at it doesn't get it or for whatever reason just doesn't like it they're going to mark you down and it's not so black and white and I sort of remember being like but we're on a dance course I didn't come to write Mm. a 10,000 word dissertation you know and I was like I'd rather be marked low and make something I want to make than just write a few more words to get extra marks from someone I don't even really care about you know (laughs) and I guess as well once you leave that place of education the mark doesn't matter it doesn't make a difference as to whether you get a job or not in the artistry world generally speaking yeah um but yeah one thing I was thinking which I think it can be dangerous to kind of although creativity is yeah you want people to express themselves and and to do whatever they want i think that in any art form there are rules to it there are you know simple things like a film needs to fit on a screen it needs to be understood by an audience or something you know what i mean like there Mm. are elements behind any art form that I think if you break them consciously, like, yeah, you're meant to have a close-up here, but I'm going to film this tree. Like, that's fine if you know what the rules are and you know what you're doing. Um, oh, I've kind of lost my train of thought, but... That's a fault, sorry. <laughs> no, I think that's... No, that's even, even within that, though, I think that is also important to recognise. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're right, I think despite art always being sort of you know having subjective and one person may think one opposite to another i think you've you've still got to work within the the confines of of what it is you're doing i mean to be make a yeah. stupid example a bit like kind of you know if you were to 
if you were putting on a play and you were like, but we're going to play this scene, you know, backstage. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. a, a stupid yeah. example. but Yeah, that's kind of the thing. I think that there is... I read this great book years ago. It was called Creativity um, by a, a guy with a very long name that I can't pronounce. So it's a really thick book where this guy interviewed artists and scientists from all these different areas like very you know nobel prize winning and people with oscars and all kinds of things and he kind of in the book defines what creativity is and he says like creativity is not just like any of us being like oh i'm gonna just do a drawing and like just da, 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 da. like that's like personal creativity but it's not creativity and what he defines creativity as is any domain as its set rules so a film has a rule which is it's got to be a certain length it's got to be projected on a screen and it has to do this to this and it's the sort of gatekeepers of the industry and that might be audience that might be producers that might mm -hmm. be uh, the committee of the oscars whatever it is but Genuine creativity within the rules of a domain is what changes the domain. So, for example, I can't think of some. I don't know. Billie Eilish comes along a few years ago. She's got a unique sound that everyone loves as a musician, but she's taken all the rules of music and all the things she knows about it and learned about it and has used her personal thing to create art that fits along the timeline of all the music we've known in the past, but it helps us under, it keeps moving the art form along. Yeah. I'm not even a Billy Island fan, but I saw a documentary about her a while ago. So do you know what I mean? So I think it's, yeah. I guess I'm saying like, it's, it can be misleading. I think to just, especially if you want to pursue creativity as a career, you need to, uh, your skills, have, you know, if I keep making comedy sketches, that get worse and worse and make less and less sense and get less and less views, you know, who am I doing that for? Do you know what I mean? If the yeah. audience isn't connecting and I'm not trying to build stuff that means something, then what am I doing, you know? Yeah, I think that's really, yeah. Going, sort of circling back somewhat slightly and moving us a little bit for different, slightly different topic. Talking about books, you have a book. Can you tell us about your book? <laughs> Sure. I um, So the book's called How to Build a Great Acting Showroom, I think it's called. It's a few right. years ago now. <laughs> and so, you know, it was COVID. It was lockdown. I didn't have much to do. It was, you know, illegal to get people in a room and film stuff. Um, even though some showroom competitors managed to do it, I don't know how they managed. It wasn't legal, but um, <laughs> I, I couldn't film. Um and I just didn't know what to do with myself. I was a bit bored. And like we've talked about, like I always need to sort of feel the need to do something. So I, in a very short, concise book, kind of wrote the the nuts and bolts of what makes a good showreel and some, some obvious advice and some that's a bit more kind of counterintuitive, I think, that people might not think. Um, and yeah, just a nice book. It's only like... 60 70 pages or something but it's a good sort of concise guide to building a showroom i love that you see i think that as well that i feel like you're a guy who's got so you like really adaptable 
Yeah, I think you've got such a good outlook and um, engagement's the wrong word. But I mean, it's not a bad word, but I feel like the, the way you um, apply, apply yourself, I think is so, so good. And it's inspiring, I think. Uh, you know, in a scenario, like you say, in lockdown, where you, you, everything is in our artist world as well was particularly quite nullified and to be able to find an an outlook and a uh, an what's the word I'm looking for uh, an output or whatever for that mm. I think that's that's really commendable and mm. I think that's I think that's something as artists generally speaking whatever however the world lies is such a, an inspirational and important thing to maybe sort of try and bring to your own creativity as an individual, whoever may be listening or whatever. I think for me, at least I find that very inspiring and it's something that I'd like to try and obtain, you know? Mm. Um, but that's, yeah, I, I, yeah, go on. Well, I was going to say like the perfect scenario for creativity never really exists. You yeah. know, it's like when I see people on Twitter or X, um, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, when they say things like, it's so unfair that how hard it is to get funding and I could never get funding for my projects and blah, 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 blah. And part of me is like, have they ever tried making a film for five pounds? Do you know what I mean? Have they ever mm. tried making one on their phones? Have they ever, you know, if they can't afford to put on a big theatre show, have they ever tried to convince someone who owns an upstairs of a pub to give them a free night? And then put something on with actor friends, like creativity. It, it like don't get me wrong. You need a you know a roof over your head, and you need to be able to eat, obviously. But outside of that, there's you always have an opportunity to create. You know, I've never been funded by anyone. I you know, it's not like I'm making an incredible living, but I always find a way to make things um because i think yeah the you know people and sorry to bring up like these kind of topics but like, even in a in a war zone right now like across mm. the world there'll be people there who are writing poems there'll be people who are barely eating but they're they're writing a journalistic thing of what's happening or they're trying to find a laptop with electricity to make a short film about like human beings regardless of the limitations will create and i think it's a privileged position to be sitting around on social media saying oh i never get enough yeah. resources to make this stuff because we can all do it mm. um you know like we're now doing a podcast that you know we're recording not to give away the secrets but we're recording it <laughs> you know in, in the simplest way possible across Absolutely. zoom it's i would assume that the creation of this is a, a low budget entry uh enterprise as it should be um but that's always available to us unless you've got really sick health or you literally can't afford to eat this week then you can always be creative you know yeah absolutely there was a bit of a doorbell uh, there what was, yeah, it? was it who was it for it's a christmas gift for harry so oh, he can't see it <laughs> well that'll, that'll teach you to do early christmas shopping early <laughs> Yeah, you should have organised better and got them to deliver at a precise time. No, I'm kidding. Fine, you won't have it then. <laughs> I'll keep it. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. That was a yeah. Uh, poor comment from me. Um, okay, so 
let's coming back to sort of the showreel stuff a bit. Um, because of that and the nature, well, I guess not just that, but then I guess it's it, it maybe started through that or whatever. Making your showreels and I guess going into your TikToks a bit. You obviously work with a lot of different actors and actresses and people. Do you within that have certain things that you feel okay this person's reliable this person's good you know is there certain attributes that pulls you into using particular creatives absolutely absolutely it's um you know you're building relationships i think whenever you work with someone and you know in the worst case you can work with someone and you can think yeah i will never work with this person again you know what I mean? Like you can yeah. have a realization. It's a bit like making friends in the real world or dating or whatever it would be. It's there's chemistry levels. There's like knowing that you have very different views. A good example, Harry, like me and you have, you know, filmed quite a few bits and pieces together. Yeah. Um, and I remember we filmed a comedy sketch at um, West Ham stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, we filmed it with no permission. The sound was terrible. We we just kind of were winging it. Yeah. And you were very comfortable in that scenario. You trusted me. I trusted you. And we were able with no to just get on with it. Yeah. But there'll be another actor who, you know, maybe they feel that they need an hour to prepare and they need to mm-hmm. get into a certain zone. They need to do some sort of exercises in a quiet room. And it just doesn't suit what I'm doing. And it might, they might get an Oscar one day and they might make this really meaningful thing that's great, but me and that person are not necessarily going to click. So for me, yeah, every time you work with someone, you, you naturally figure out if your temperaments, your personalities, if it clicks. Um, and for me, yeah, there are some obvious simple things like does this person know their line? Are they friendly to me? Are they friendly to other people on the set? Are they, uh, do they take direction? You know, and there are those obvious things, but there's also the other sort of interpersonal things that just come down to how you get along with other people, you know? Coming slightly back to, do you have a question? No, no, No. Coming back to the lines thing, do you have any sort of, it just makes me want to ask, do you have any funny sort of things where you've, experience someone who's maybe not you know learned their lines do they you know like do they have any silly excuses or like reasonings for that what's have you got some funny things to say not that you have to but yeah. first of all it happens far more than you might expect that people oh really don't know their lines and it's, it's amazing to me like even if someone's paying me money to make a show rule for them and they turn up on the set and and really and and not even close to knowing their lines it happens you know um and the best thing an actor can do in that instance is just be completely open and be like i don't know my lines i need to work from here but sometimes you'll get someone who tries to hide that they don't know their lines and you know often someone can the worst case is if you have a sort of difficult you know an actor who's being is trying to chip in with direction. They're trying to control what's happening. They're trying to give the other actor advice, do all these things, <laughs> and they don't even know their own lines, you know? Yeah, mm. I can picture that. <laughs> so for me, like, if you don't know your lines, then the only 
my only job directing is like let's get a take where the lines are right that's all i can do whereas as long as you know your lines even if it's your first day acting in your life or even if you've totally got the character wrong whatever it might be like if you know the lines then we can begin to work Mm. if you don't know the lines then what happens is then like an actor will start paraphrasing or doing different things and they might even make the excuse that it's more natural it's more how they would speak yeah but what happens is they're losing character you know if i've written a character and your line is you have a line which is i think of a line now you have a line where you say record this podcast now or i'm gonna kill you like that is uh that's your character saying that but if you forget that line and you start saying record this thing for me otherwise you're gonna be in trouble it carries a different meaning it carries a different weight to it and it no longer does the story justice Hmm. um so yeah it's it always frustrates me and it frustrates everyone else on a set um so yeah my one key advice for anyone doing a filming anything of any kind if there's dialogue make sure you know it and then even if you want to have a conversation where you think it should be something different or you think it should be done a different way as long as you start knowing the lines and being willing to do them then you can work from there you know yeah i absolutely agree i think there's i think there's definitely a bit of a myth about it being more organic if you don't quite know your lines uh, it's definitely a thing that I think probably yeah, loads of actors and creatives have experienced that. It must be frustrating as a writer to put your energy in to write <laughs> something and then something else come out and you're like, that's that's not what this is about. This is not what I wrote. <laughs> I just find it a bit Absolutely. Bizarre. No, absolutely. And I have like even, I mean, even like these comedy sketches I've been doing recently for TikTok with, with very good actors who do know their lines. Um, but the problem sometimes is I'll film like 10 sketches in a day and it's very, very quick. And then when we get to edit and I get to edit, I'll notice that it might be one key word was missing. Mm. I'm like, oh, every take they said they missed that word and now it doesn't make sense. And mm. It's crucial, you know, it's such a key thing. And so often in writing, at least, you... For me, every line is there. Every word has a meaning. Um, And to just... And and Harry, you might have experienced this when you're working with me. Like, sometimes someone might say, can I change the word football to soccer? Mm. And sometimes the answer is, yeah, it doesn't make a difference. That's fine. And other times it will be like, no, if you say that, then you'll confuse English people and the sketch is ruined. So like every line has a meaning. Sometimes the meaning, you could say it 10 different ways and that's totally fine. But other times it has to be done that exact way. Mm. Um, So yeah, know your lines. Absolutely. Absolutely. A given, you'd like to think. do you sort of following on a little bit from that? So obviously, with the premise of making show rules for people, again, I feel like this is maybe when I'm reading this as a question. I think it 
it's going to vary from person to person and what they're auditioning for or whatever. But do you find um, that after doing showreels with you or whatever, that people might pick up things that they might then use uh, down the line in jobs or it's helped them or it furthered their skill set in some way? It's not it's a bit of an open question. <laughs> um, oh, I think I... I think I can answer that. I think, um, first of all, like I have had clients who have a few years after doing a reel with me or after they've come back quite a few times when they've, let's say, finally got their first TV credit, Mm. they have sent me like a really lovely message to thank me to say like the stuff I learned on set with you helped me do this job. And I think sometimes it surprises them because even though my setting is quite low-key and relaxed it's just me it's a nice simple location it's not too much equipment the same rules apply the same you know we're doing quick takes we've got limited time i'm getting you know i'm still it still is a film set and you're getting direction and you're Mm -hmm. learning how to work with actors you're learning how a scene pieces together so yeah people i think learn a lot and i think that's often what surprises a client because yeah, they're getting a sort of mini film school, drama school out of doing the show really itself as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think that's good. I think it does as well. I think even for me, you get your training in drama school, wherever you may be, but I think to actually do it in a bit more of a, a scenario that's unfamiliar mm. uh, is, a, is, is good and good for development because I think it's... Well, yeah, go on. What did you... Um, it's risking me asking this in case the answer doesn't bode well for me but like what did you you've worked with me on on yeah. show real scenes and on tiktok sketches like did, what did you take from it how is it what did it do for you i think it for me it's really helped my sort of adaptability i'd say i think when i was doing stuff at drama school you sort of you know who you're working with you sort of know what you're going to expect and i think the 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 organic sort of freshness of coming into you know, I, I would have the script, you know, you, you, you learn the script, whatever, but then you come in and you may have you'd never worked with this person before, you know, uh, opposite them as an actor. And I think you're in a location that you've never been to before. Um, and to be able to, you sort of have to process all these things, I think. And, mm. and I think that's a good experience uh, to, to find your way, so to speak, uh, and work out what that is for you. Uh, at least for me, that was definitely how I, what I took from it, and I and you love it as well. It's like this, it's exciting uh, to to have that element of like, wow, this is new, this is this is fresh, this is whatever. Uh, not not to say that drama school stuff is mundane or anything like that, but I think it keeps you on your toes. I guess is really what I'm trying to say, mm. and I think that for me is a real positive, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Nice. I'll take that. <laughs> you're very good to work with that. Now, that's not just me saying that because you're on the podcast. I've, yeah, I've always yeah. enjoyed it. Always have. You wouldn't be here if I didn't. So. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, speaking about Cheryl's again a bit more, um, one of the things, again, it might have been one of the things that first popped up to me before we met again um, on what was Twitter. Um, occasionally, you have reviewed people's showreels. Uh, or you know you put out a, a tweet or, is it still called a tweet now I don't even know what to... 
Who knows? Who knows? You would at the time put out a tweet and say, you know, post your share reels in, in whatever time period, and I'll get through as many as I can. Within that, and I'm pretty sure you've put stuff out there about this before. Do you find that there's things that are something that grips you, or something a mistake that's commonly made, anything like mm. that? Share reel one on one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First of all, like what grips me was one of your questions and that's one of those things that I can give all these show rule rules in the world like it must be this length you must do this at the beginning blah 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 but honestly like when something grips you it grips, it's like when you're watching a film right it starts and you either look at it and you're like yeah I buy that like in your head you either like yeah that's cool mm. or you're like no this sucks I'm turning it off and it's the same with a show rule and it's hard to pinpoint exactly what that is, but mm. whether someone is in a scene having an argument or whether someone's sitting there reading a book, whatever's happening on camera, like you either buy into it and you believe it or you don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think, yeah, you just want believable human beings, people in character. Um, and it doesn't need to be impressive in the sense of you don't need an action sequence of them jumping out of a car um, you don't need them on screen with famous people and that's one of the main things is I've often seen actors who have a really nice subtle scene with them and another actor um, it might be from a short film it might be from a show reel type thing whatever it is like just something really real and believable and natural and an interesting character but the first thing they put on their reel is them when they were they had two lines opposite um Olivia Coleman just saying to her, "Is your cup of tea, ma'am, or something?" And it's it's pointless. It doesn't yeah. naturally as an actor if you've spent years wanting a TV credit. When you finally get it, that is the best thing ever, and it's a huge moment, and you should celebrate it, and it is important. But it doesn't mean it should necessarily a be on your showreel at all, maybe. But definitely doesn't mean it has to be the first thing. So. Yeah. If you've got one scene which is you opposite, you know, another actor and you've got a really interesting scene about some conflict between the two of you, it's really relatable, that shows us more of your acting than you handing Olivia Coleman a coffee and then walking out the door, you know? Yeah. So I think I think that's why I think it's good when people have a sort of objective you know, someone to edit the reel for them or with them that is thinking purely in terms of what does a casting director want and need to see? Mm. Because a casting director who does this for a living, they're gonna when they see that Olivia Coleman scene, they're gonna know exactly what it is. They're not gonna be they're not gonna sit there thinking, Wow, you was you was the co lead with Olivia Coleman. They're not gonna think that. Yeah. They're gonna know what it was. So they don't they might not need to see it at all, or if they if it is in your reel and it's the third scene or something, or it's a little moment that's potentially enough you know so I think yeah I think the main problem with reels when I when I watch like a hundred of them in a day or something is you often like it's almost like the actor's insecurities have edited the reel mm. it's like yeah, yeah, I better yeah. go do my good work I better show that I don't look ugly I better show that I do this and that and that rather than just a nice calm kind of like here's me handling this situation here's me 
in a conversation with my mum about whether to go to dad's thing, you know, like it's yeah. that stuff that we connect with, you know. It's interesting yeah. to me because I think that that correlates into a dance with as well. I don't, I don't imagine you've filmed any dance ones, but um, <laughs> but I feel like it. Co- the the two things that come to my head are it's similar to what we were talking about in the fact that show what you do well show what you don't show what you think they're going to want to see don't show that you think they're going to want to see you with these big casting director whoever it is and it, why I want to relate that into dances I feel like a lot of dance show reels when you watch them people put in clips that are for example in a big group so you can't really tell who they are but they put it in because they're front and centre and they think that's going to be a well look how good I was, I was front and centre in that dance whereas actually when you're watching a dance show reel and especially when you're you're putting it forward for a job all the cast and director want to see is how well you move on your own so they would rather you see it, see you do a turn exercise filmed on your iPhone in, the, in, a, across, studio. in a studio yeah. on your own than this like and I think people have so much they, they try too hard to impress who they're giving it to rather than being like this is me this is what I do best, this is what I can offer you, and letting mm. that go almost. It's making me think a bit like it's, it's making me <laughs> want to say like, it's almost like you want to showcase what you can do rather than like, this is my best bits. Not mm. that they can't Yeah, they be. correlate some way, but. Yeah, but sometimes some of the best bits for you may be your experience of doing that thing as opposed to it actually being something that would help you get mm. another job. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's so funny. I'm feeling all of their different threads tying together in this specific question because, and now I'm losing my train of thought. Let me think. Like, we all naturally want to be impressive in our work. Do you know mm. what I mean? We all want to be like, here's this thing I did. Here's how many views it got. Here's how many followers. Here's this great client I worked with. Here's when I was on the BBC. We all want that. But we're all constrained by the reality of what our work really is in the present moment. And I feel like this is the thing you can't... People, I think, still talk about their own work like they're trying to market something in the 1980s. So it's like, you know, a musician might be creating a demo and they might, I don't think you've done this, Harry, but they might say something like, big news coming tomorrow, I'm really excited to announce. And they're talking like they're Taylor Swift. Mm. And they're not Taylor Swift, they're just Fred in his room making a And it's like, we try and market all their stuff. I've had people on a showreel shoot with me take a selfie of the camera and the lights but not mention that they're doing a showreel and on Instagram it looks like they're on a big movie not that big a movie because my equipment isn't that impressive but they've made it they're trying to make it seem like we've all had the experience of looking at something like that and being like I know you're in your living room or I know Mm -hmm. I know that you're just at this stage right now or I know that you just had two lines of Olivia Coleman I know you wasn't the lead so it does us no um there's no benefit to hyping ourselves yeah because Mm -hmm. no one believes it um and I think that it's far better 
you know, with a casting director, if you want to be getting two or three lines in a TV show, that's going to come from seeing someone seeing a more traditional, you know, a showreel that you filmed at drama school or maybe you paid a showreel company or maybe it's short films. Like, those are the building blocks towards those roles. Whereas if you try and edit that Olivia Coleman clip to look like you was a major character, there's a mismatch, like a mismatch. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. doesn't ring true. So, uh, yeah, authenticity, I guess is what I'm saying. We you know, talk like, about that a lot. where we are, you know? Yeah. yeah. A lot on the podcast we talk about authenticity and, and sort of the outcome that can bring you. I think that's important just in life, isn't it? I mean, mm. you you want to be authentic because if you turn up to something, whatever it may be, and it's like, well, that's not what quite what I thought. You can mm. you can it can be good or bad, I guess. But but I guess this is funny, circling right back round to the first point. Is that feeds into the social media aspect? It's like, yeah, it's it's yeah. like I guess we're in this place in the industry right now where we're sort of balancing. You want to get you want to be a presence and you want to be known and you want to be whatever and you sort of ideally want to do that authentically but then it becomes such an outward thing that it's like well people change and do the do you, do you know what i'm trying to say mm. um so it's just i think it's a funny time right now in the industry to not only like worry about what you're putting forward for jobs and whatever but what's going on instagram what's going on your social media what's and how that's affecting and how the two yeah, you got to keep it all balanced mm. on one plate. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny because as well, like it's it's so, like social media is sort of nonsense anyway. Because like through the sketches I did, I got you know a lot of followers, but that doesn't that hasn't resulted in me having any major opportunities or anything. It doesn't really mm. it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. Like. So it's such a strange, like if you had told me when I had 200 followers, it's like, oh, what would happen if you had 60,000 followers? Your ego thinks that's incredible. That's mm. going to, people take me seriously. I'll get more. But the reality is it, nothing really changes. I think unless you have, you know, I've known people, I've known actors that have 300,000 followers and they're working in a cafe because they've not had a job in six months. Like, yeah. doesn't mean anything, you know? I have a question, which is, there's no, like, right or wrong answer to it, really, but say if you, say, only had, on your TikTok, on your Instagram, all your socials, you only had a really small number of followers, say you had 200 and mm. whatever else, would you still be doing the same content, do you think? Do you think... Because I know we were talking about before, like creativity, sort of having to tick boxes so that people still like it and whatever. Do you think you make the content you make because that you enjoy to do it and you would do it regardless? Or do you think there's an aspect of that that if, that's come from the outside world as well? Very good question. <laughs> um, a very good question because it's, it's, a, it's a complicated one because... Yeah that audience has definitely influenced what I'm doing because on TikTok, for example, I would do these football sketches that would do well. I would do a different sketch that wasn't football and it wouldn't do well. Um, even like a few days ago, I did a, 
a sketch about American football, that NFL, and it flopped. And then in my brain, I'm like, okay, that doesn't work. I have to stick to football. Um, similarly, on Instagram, built this following doing all these football sketches. And then um, a few weeks back, I put up pictures of, uh, I got married in West Virginia. I put up a wedding picture and some uh, pictures from the trip. And I lost 300 followers immediately because these football fans look at it and they're like, what do I care about this guy's personal life? Mm. So suddenly, my I didn't mean for my Instagram to become like this football hub. It was just my Instagram. It was, it was just random. But now, like, if I post personal stuff about me, nobody's interested. Mm. Or if I post Joe Real scenes, people are like, why isn't this funny? Like, if it's a serious scene. So suddenly what I maybe should have done when these football things started doing well is I maybe should have made a channel called the football blah, mm. blah, blah, whatever. Um, so it definitely, you get influenced by it, but at the same time, like, it's so interesting. Like when I started doing showreels before long, I'm like, oh, I can't get stuck doing showreels. I want to show I can do other things. I do these football sketches. Like, oh, I don't want to be stuck being the football guy. Mm. <laughs> uh, you, but at the same time, you want to lean into something because if one day, you know, Sky Sports say, come and make a comedy sketch for us, then that would have led somewhere. So it's it's a constant juggling. Um, and you'll probably, you know, you'll find the same, like, with how you use the socials for, like, your podcast and for your school and stuff. Like, people expect certain things and if you mm -hmm. veer off but it is a tricky thing like it's like anyone who blows up on let's say TikTok you see that they have all these different things they're trying some flop some do okay and then suddenly they do a thing boom it gets 10 million views and, they and then they're it. stuck have you heard of Tube Girl? no no there was there's a woman who goes by the the name she basically young woman who did all these different TikTok trends, all these different, you know, some of them were like, I don't know, singing, dancing, miming along, doing whatever she was doing. And then one day she went on the tube, she filmed herself, is it the back of the camera, filmed towards herself, a uh, different speed setting, this very particular kind of dance, not caring about everyone in the background. And it blew up, right? It got, I don't know, 40 million views or something. And then... He did more. They all got gazillions of views. Everyone started copying what she was doing. It became this big trend. Suddenly, she has got um, all these brand deals. She's dancing at, on the catwalks in Paris, and she's doing stuff with Bentley, all these big things, but all under this sort of persona of this tube girl, dancing girl thing, and it went viral. Um but naturally, like, as well as she's done, I'm sure she's earned some money from these sponsorship deals and stuff, but she now runs into that problem of being perceived as this one thing. Mm. And while it's still, I mean, she's not getting the same amount of views anymore. It's still a lot by most people's standards, but naturally people get a bit tired of it. But she now, I would imagine, not I don't know her at all, but there'll be this pressure to be this persona or be the girl that does these dances and 
does she have the, I don't know, the skill set or the interest to adapt what she does? Can she still build an audience doing different things? Like mm. if she suddenly becomes a model or she becomes a, I don't know, whatever her thing is, like, is the audience there for that or not? Um, but yeah, like going back to what you was asking me, like you naturally when something works and you see it on social media all the time, like once someone has a thing that works, you get stuck within it. Yeah. Um, it's like typecasting for actors, you know, so yeah. it's a, yeah, a tricky thing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on a little bit. One of the things we sort of wanted to talk about within showreels, this is probably, I think I'll maybe make this one of the last things we sort of ask you, but obviously within the showreels that you do, you write them yourselves, yourselves, yourself, <laughs> your many factions oh, of you. Yeah. yeah. Um, within that, how would you go about that writing process? Just for if anyone's listening to this who might be, you know, like I've always wanted to write, I've never known how to go about it, or whatever that might be. If you've got anything that you'd like would share and how you go about that process, how you started that process or something. Specific to showreels or writing in general? Uh let's make it specific to showreels and then you can expand if you feel it's relevant or whatever. Sure. I think for showreels the main thing for me is you want characters in conflict. You mm. need one character wants something, the other character doesn't want him to have it. You know, guy wants to ask out the girl, girl doesn't want to go out of him. Guy wants to go to the moon. That's a bad thing, let's not do the moon one. <laughs> one guy doesn't want to go to his grandfather's funeral. Their sister says, you must go to the funeral. Do you know what I mean? Like if mm. one person wants to give evidence at the trial, the other person says, if you give evidence, I'm going to kill you. Like you need conflict, A, to make a scene interesting without conflict. It's just two people sitting around chatting. Um, I think like if you see like a bad short film or, a, you know, a, a quite boring student film, it tends to be here's two friends sitting around chatting about computer games and nothing really happened. You know, I think that, yeah, you need conflict. But here's the tricky thing. You need, and this is where it has to be well-written and it has to be well-acted and directed, is you want it to be subtle and you want it to be believable. So if you've got two characters in the kitchen, one of them says, you have to come to the funeral, and the other person says, no, I'm not coming to the funeral because Dad killed 10 people. <laughs> Terrible idea again. But the bad version of that scene is two characters shouting at each other and angry and just noise. Mm. The good version is when it's more realistic and the tone feels like something we can believe in, you know? So for me, yeah, you need as strong a conflict as you can get and you need the skill set writing-wise and then further on directing-wise and acting-wise to make it believable. But yeah, my one tip is have two characters in conflict. Do you think someone who wants to get into well, script writing, let's just say, in general, do you think they need to... Is it more about being creative and working on that, building that creative skill, or do you think they need to go do some training to do it? I think you... You just need to learn the craft, whether that means you go off to school to learn screenwriting or whether you 
like for me, I didn't go to film school or anything. I've just constantly, I'm always reading books, um, whether they're how to books or whether they're just, you know, people's scripts or novels or whatever mm. it is. Like you just need to keep learning and keep, or if you're creating stuff and putting it out into the world, you learn by what works and what doesn't. Mm. Yeah. Um, makes sense. Like another thing I've, when I've been putting these sketches out, I've learned to not blame the algorithm. I'm like, if something didn't do well, it's because I did something wrong. And then I'm going to learn what that is to do better, you know? So Mm -hmm. yeah. um, Yeah. You just need to keep learning and keep getting better, you know? So however that serves you best, if you're someone who can sit in a classroom and learn great, but if you're someone who gets frustrated and learns by doing, then, do that you know makes sense i think that goes for anything really yeah you always want to expand and further your learn you never stop learning do you whatever however old you may be even if you know everything like i like to think i do um (laughs) but yeah i think we'll wrap it up there yeah this is a long podcast we love it oh it's good absolutely um with all our fun little bits that have happened in between, we'll it, see. It wouldn't be a quartz podcast unless the door goes once. I yes. spill my tea, which I did do. Yeah, oh, you missed that bit. Tea, yeah. tea in a chat and <laughs> you haven't even drank it. You're wearing it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make a prediction. I feel like Tube Girl might not make the cut. I feel like that just became a confused segment. We'll see. I'll let you, You'll know when it comes out. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think she will. I think she yeah. will. Um, I need to go look up Chip Girl now. Yeah, that's what you're going to do next, isn't it? Hi, Chip Girl, if you're listening. Yeah, hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but this has been really good. It's been really insightful. I think it's just people, there's going to hopefully be someone who's listening to this who's going to take something from this. And I think, like always, we like to say on these podcasts, if if you hear something that resonates for you, then try it, run with it. And if it doesn't, come back to it when maybe it does or whatever. Yeah. Go with what works. Um, but yeah this has been really good thank you so much for coming on yeah thank you I really appreciate it Um, no I've enjoyed it but yeah if anyone wanted to get in sort of touch with you would you be okay with that if anyone was to reach out or of course yeah of course yeah yeah. especially no pressure you've asked them on the podcast (laughs) I can edit this out (laughs) probably more so yeah I'm on all the social stuff and all that yeah. um, mm. Daniel Johnson films on Insta TikTok and, yeah. yeah definitely check check Daniel out as a minimum I'd say because you'll definitely get a laugh can people still buy your book is that a thing that's still they can it's on Amazon uh, yeah on Amazon we'll link on it all Amazon. in the show notes then yeah absolutely nice awesome Lovely. well thank you so much for coming on yes it's been great um, chatting yeah we will see you probably next week Yes, uh, next uh, week. Yes, next week. We've, we've pre-planned all these podcasts and we've scheduled when they are, but I can't remember when they are. So. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. You have been listening to Tina Chat with Quartz Academy. If you have any questions or things you want to know, visit our website at www.quartzacademy.co.uk or email us, info at quartzacademy.co.uk. You can also find us on our socials, Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Thanks for listening. We're so happy you're here. See you next week. Bye. Bye.